tonight. A woman escapes ISIS only to meet one of her torturers on a bus in Canada. It's June 26th, and you're watching The Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon Thank consumer God. I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. You come here once a year with a sign, and you feel morally superior. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Canadians like to help. It's part of our national DNA, and that includes taking genuine refugees. According to the UN definition of that term, that's people who have an imminent danger of being persecuted by virtue of their race or religion. It doesn't mean economic migrants, and it doesn't mean the persecutors, too. Joining us now via Skype is our friend Barbara Kay with a terrifying story of how Canada has taken in both the wolves and the lambs from Syria and Iraq. Barbara, great to see you again. Good to be here. I want to talk about your important article in the National Post. Let me quote the headline of it. The Yazidis are in danger of extinction and Ottawa stopped helping. Now, I've talked about the Yazidis before, but maybe you can remind our viewers, what is a Yazidi? Who are they? Where do they come from? And why did you meet with them? Uh, the Yazidi are a small people, about a million strong altogether, and they're a very ancient people uh, with roots going back 6,000 years in uh, northern Iraq, which is their uh, the place that they originated from. Uh, they Their faith is kind of a, a mixture, in a way, of uh, all the Abrahamic religions. There's uh, some things that would be recognizable to Jews, Christians, and Muslims, but it's their own. It's quite, it's quite unique. They are a peaceful people, monotheistic. They do not proselytize. They've never hurt anybody, but a lot of people have tried to hurt them. They have suffered 74 genocides, Ezra, including uh, having lost 350,000 people uh, under the Turks alongside the Armenians from 1914 to 18. So this is a people that has suffered greatly, but has never caused suffering to other people. Uh, and they are in the crosshairs of uh, the Islamic State who, in August of 2014, uh, just uh, attacked uh, them in their, in their ancient uh, uh, homeland. And they were supposed to have been protected by uh, the Kurdish Peshmerga, but they weren't. Uh, they've suffered so terribly, um, executions, uh, sex slavery, you name it, there is nothing so horrible that you can think of that these poor people have not suffered and they they desperately desperately need support and help to get away yeah you know when i first um, encountered yazidis when i visited germany of all places a couple of years ago um some yazidi rape slaves had been accepted as refugees to germany so these were they killed the yazidi men yes but they kept the women as sex slaves, rape slaves, and they were prized, they were bought and sold at a market, and they were prized for their blue eyes in some cases. I met a Yazidi rape slave in Germany who told me she had lost count after she had been raped 240 times. And uh, it was just horrific. Let me throw one more detail at you. I'd like you to reply to this, and I'd like you to tell me about your experience. I met this Yazidi rape slave in Germany. She fled to Germany as a refugee. She was at a refugee uh, absorption center. 
and she had to flee from that official German refugee center again to uh, a, re a retreat, a, a rec uh, uh, to another retreat within Germany, because even in Germany, Islamic State uh, predators were there with her. They came to yes. Germany with her, and in if she had stayed in that absorption center, she would have been targeted yet again. So she was actually uh, the guest of a ca of a Christian nun. That's how that that predators have come with her. The wolves have come with the lambs. That's what I detected in Germany two years ago. Yeah. Yes. I think it's impossible to do the kind of serious vetting uh, when you're bringing in people by the thousands. Very difficult to do the kind of vetting that would uh, allow you to separate, you know, the lambs from the wolves. So uh, I heard a similar story on Sunday when I went to an educational meeting uh, about the Yazidi situation, and there I met two Yazidi women from London. And the uh, the priest and, and uh, counselor who had come with them, uh, who interpreted for me as they told me their stories. And one I wrote about uh, in my column this week. And it was a, a pretty gruesome story, very much along the lines of what you just uh, told me. And she, uh, in August 2014, when the uh, Islamic State came for the Yazidis, she was... She and her two little children, she was 29 at the time, were separated uh, from the men. She never saw her father-in-law and her husband again. Uh, I, they were doubtless killed almost immediately. And she was taken and uh, with the other girls, most of them teenagers, they're not supposed to take, they, their own code says they're not supposed to take married women as sex slaves, but she was very attractive. Uh, and she too, uh, for months and months and months, uh, she was sold back and forth to many, many men. And um, her, the, the man who organized the, uh, the auction, the, ma the man who organized the, uh, the sales of the uh, girls and women, uh, she was also his sex slave for a while, too. So eventually, it's a quite a long story, but eventually she did manage to escape, to, to return to Kurdistan, to her, her relatives there, and eventually to come to Canada with her children. I met her, I spoke to her for about an hour, and she told me that recently she was on a bus in London, Ontario, and she was shocked and horrified to see that the man who had organized the sex slavery ring uh, that she had been a part of was sitting on the same bus. She got off the bus, he got off at the same stop, he, she stared at him, he stared back at her, realized who she was, covered his face, and ran away. She immediately went to the refugee center uh, to tell the, the people there what had happened. She told them, she told them his name, his real name, and his, his Islamic State name. And their response was, uh, oh, you've been very traumatized, you can't trust yourself to have recognized him with reliability. And they also said, according to her, uh, this woman or the, the person said to her, don't tell anyone. And that kind of just made me real. Uh, is that that's the response? Uh, I guess the, the the sense is, hey, this is embarrassing. Um, if, if an ISIS guy is here in Canada, well, what's our first response? Not find the guy, but tell the victim to 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 be quiet. I mean, that was horrendous. And I, uh, of course, uh, wrote that. In, I, I wrote it up 
And I said, uh, well, she did tell someone. She told me, and, and I know this guy's name. Um, and then I waited to be to see if I'd be contacted by the government, by immigration or, or somebody. Uh, so, in fact, I did get contacted but, uh, by a Canadian border security agent uh, who was not contacting me officially. He read, he read it and he said, look, I, I want to follow up on this. Has anybody contacted you? And I said, no. Uh, he says, well, I'm going to follow up on this. Uh, so I put him in touch with um, the, the, uh, uh, the head of the Yazidi community who had done my translation and, and who was uh, helping these women. And I certainly hope uh, that that will lead to uh, hopefully uh, finding this guy and, uh, and apprehending him. But you're saying this contact was not done in his official capacity. It was like he was calling you off duty or something unofficially. Yeah. So no one officially, no one with authority, so he, was, he was on the lowdown. He, he was saying, I'm, I'm, this is just a private act. So no Well, he said, I'm gonna, call, no, he said, I'm gonna go immediately to my commanding okay, or well, superior. Oh, no, 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 he wants to do it officially, but I thought it was very interesting. I didn't hear from Immigration Canada. I didn't hear from uh, uh, CSIS or I didn't hear from the arts. I mean, I didn't hear from anybody that you would expect mm -hmm. would be in charge of. I'm just glad this one guy got in touch yeah. with me. Um, but you yeah. remind me of an old movie. I think it starred Dustin Hoffman called The Marathon Man, where, oh, yeah. where a Nazi concentration camp guard finds himself in New York and he's walking down the street and his survive the, the victim survivors of the concentration camp spot him on the mm -hmm. street. That sounds like what this is. And and yet your story is shocking and horrifying, but we know that more than a hundred, well we estimate it's more than a hundred, we know for a fact sixty Islamic State terrorists have come back to Canada without prosecution. Uh, mm -hmm. We know the New York Times recently had an extended podcast interview with one of them boasting not just about rape, but about murder. And they're with impunity here. How can that be? I mean, I understand people would say, well, how do we prove beyond a reasonable doubt that a rape was committed, that a murder was committed? But you don't have to prove that. Our, cri our criminal code had special amendments after 9-11 that simply supporting a terrorist group, going to support a terrorist group, flying to a terrorist group, all of those are serious offenses. You don't even have to prove, because how could you possibly prove beyond a reasonable doubt what happened in a rape slave camp in Iraq? But you can prove that he was there as a terrorist. That's enough to convict. Why haven't we had such a prosecution? Uh, look, I, I search me. I, this government seems uh, very, very reluctant to uh, probe or to to get into the business of truly fighting back against, uh, I mean, their idea of what to do with with people who go and fight for Islamic State is to send them through a de-radicalization program. Uh, this is a very unrealistic government, uh, Ezra, and a government that is not serious about helping the true victims. Uh, the Yazidi people, by the way, they, a few hundred have been brought over here, but the government has no plans to bring any more in, in 2018. And I, I'm just uh, baffled by why that should be. These are the true, they, these people cannot go back there. They're, they're being persecuted exactly as you say, the Jews were in, in, in uh, uh, 
uh, Germany. They are, uh, sure, uh, Syrian refugees, very important to help them if they are displaced by, by war. I understand that. They need help. Uh, but this, these people need more than help. They need to survive. And uh, they are on the brink. I mean, these are very small numbers, these people. And these are true victims that have not been fighting with anybody and don't want to fight with anybody. Uh, they would be ideal citizens. We know their children would not grow up to be radicals. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. And why isn't our government reaching out to do more for them? I don't get it. Yeah. You know, uh, I mentioned when I was in Germany and I met this, this I was at this um, sort of retreat where these rape slaves were being rehabilitated. Um, I was also in Cologne, Germany, a fairly large city, and I was going down a very Muslim street just talking to Muslims, and one guy said, come over here, I want to talk to you away from those other guys. And I did, and I said, why don't you want to talk with your buddies? He said, I'm actually Yazidi, and he pulled out some little necklace kind of thing showing a religious symbol. He said that even on the street, if those Muslims knew, and he's a man now, I'm not talking about a woman, he was trying to blend in. He said if they knew he was a Yazidi, they would attack him in the streets of Cologne, Germany. You know, Barbara, I don't know if you know, last summer we went to Iraq and we went to yes. refugee camps. There are special refugee camps not run by the United Nations full of Christians and Yazidis. We went to one camp that was mainly Christian, but also Yazidis because they don't, they're terrified to go to the UN mm -hmm. Refugee camps, yes. because UN refugee camps are run by Muslims at the top and dominated by Muslims in the camps, and they are ISIS friendly. A Christian would be killed, a Yazidi would be raped in the UN refugee camps. And so they're. And our, they're yes, and I'm sure, yeah, and I'm sure our government knows that, why they insist on only dealing with uh, through UN channels when it would be very, very simple uh, to go to these other camps. Uh, you know, we have Canadian troops in Kurdistan. Uh, we've got boots on the ground there. It would not be difficult for them uh, to go to these camps, to escort uh, people from, from the government, to meet these people, to talk to them, to find out, uh, and, to, and to get them here. I, I find it, um, uh, there's a kind of indifference in this government to anybody but Muslim refugees and Muslim uh, needs, Muslim interests. It's quite shocking to me that, that uh, the, the true victims or the worst victims, uh, Christians and Yazidis, people who w are never probably going to be going back to their homes ever, uh, although Muslims can go back after the dust settles, and uh, these are like the boat people from Vietnam. Remember uh, how we reached out and we, we, we brought them over? Well, to me, these are the new boat people. And where is the passion? Where is the, where is the interest? Well, I think you, you, I think you might have used the word passive. I'm going to disagree with you. You might recall that there are government-funded refugees, government-chosen refugees, mm -hmm. about 50,000 of them Trudeau brought over, just under 50,000. But there's also a private refugee track. That's when a church or another group gets together yeah. and says, okay, we're going to scrape together the dough and we're all going to take an interest. So first of all, we're going to pay the bills for this person. Don't worry, taxpayers, not on you. And second of all, you got a bunch of church ladies who are going to ensure that that refugee gets integrated, gets, you know, socialized. Mm -hmm. The Trudeau government, for no reason that's discernible, capped private refugees at a thousand 
but has unlimited government refugees. The private refugees were disproportionately Christian because you had a bunch of Christian churches that says, let's bring the Christian uh, refugees over. There's no other explanation for why private refugees would be capped other than they were Christian and Trudeau preferred yeah. Muslim refugees because, by the way, they were far more likely to be integrated, far yes. more likely to get jobs, far more likely to learn English or French than the government refugees just dumped in the bureaucracy. That is not passive or neutral, Barbara. That is You've Justin, got a good point. That's Justin Trudeau. Yeah. And let me play you for you a quick clip. I don't know if you remember this, but I sure do. Here's a clip from the 2015 federal election. I remember clearly Justin Trudeau, I think he was at a Loblaws or something, was asked, will you continue to choose the victims and favor the victims of genocide and ethnic cleansing who happen to be Christian? And Trudeau said, absolutely not. Here, take a look. Good morning, Mr. Trudeau. Uh, I wanted to start by asking you about the Conservatives' policy of prioritizing ethnic and religious minorities when bringing in refugees. Is that something that would continue if the Liberals were elected? As we gather this weekend with our families over Thanksgiving and talk about the kind of country we have and the kind of country we want, I think we need to think about families across the oceans who've been desperately seeking to build a better life for themselves and for their kids, who've gathered all their worldly belongings on their backs in plastic bags, gathered their kids around them and hope that maybe somewhere there is a place where they can build a better life. And to know that somewhere in the Prime Minister's office, staffers were pouring through their personal files to try and see whether these families or find out which families would be suitable for a photo op for the Prime Minister's re-election campaign, that's disgusting. That's not the Canada we want. That's not the Canada we need to build. Barbara, that is not a passive, that's not an accident. He deliberately said he yeah. will not show favor between the wolves and the lambs. He, in uh, fact, you know, thank you. Yeah, thank you for reminding me about that. That's, uh, that's really dreadful. And, and it makes it all the more hypocritical in the light of the fact that he just recently uh, apologized for uh, the government, uh, previous government's treatment of the Jews on the St. Louis. Remember when they were uh, trying to flee the Nazis and find a safe refuge. Yeah. And uh, countries kept turning them away, including Canada. Uh, so effectively, effectively, uh, the Yazidis, uh, they're in a camps, but they might as well be on a ship looking for a home. And he's effectively saying, sorry, not here. We're, we're only interested in, in Muslim refugees, not you. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I find that, well, <laughs> you know what I think. Yeah, well, I mean, it would be, it would be like there were two ships one full of Nazis and one full of Jews. I mean, you want to distinguish, you want to, you want to say, well, we don't want Nazis, we want the, the ones the Nazis are killing. But bizarrely and weirdly, Trudeau deliberately said no only to the private Christian refugees. And what's interesting is Trudeau did grudgingly accept that it is a, uh, a genocide against GZDC. Finally, under pressure from the conservatives, conceded it's a, genocide against Yazidis, but he would not acknowledge that there's a genocide against Christian Arabs. And that, 
to me is odious because I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen the Christians in Iraq. And and of course, we see what happens in in Egypt. There's something foul and no one's calling out this government. Not even, not even the conservative party. I got to say this, Barbara, I love your reaction to this. Michelle Rempel, the conservative immigration critic has championed Yazidis. Yes, she has. But she has not emphasized the Christians who have been uh, attacked, and she has not dared to point out why you're bringing in 50,000 Muslim uh, refugees. There's no, mu- there's no genocide of Muslims. There's no ethnic cleansing of Muslims. I think Michelle Rempel is timid. I think maybe you're right, and I, I, I agree that that is uh, really not acceptable at all. The thing about the Muslim refugees is they're sitting in a place surrounded Uh, by hundreds of millions of their religious brethren and why they have to come to Canada when the Arab countries around, some of them are taking none whatsoever. Let let the UN pressure them. By the way, I think the only reason that Trudeau did admit that the Yazidis were subject to genocide is because the United Nations had already uh, said that they meet the criteria. What's happening to them meets the criteria for the uh, Geneva Convention Uh, on genocide. So he really didn't have much of a choice on that. Um, But seriously, why why do the refugees that are probably going to go back home eventually, why are they coming so far away uh, when they will have a choice sooner or later? Yeah. So many so many questions. No, so few answers. Yeah, the answers and the fact that Omar al-Jabra, former head of the Canadian Arab Federation, who supports Hezbollah and Hamas, literally called for their legalization. The Canadian Arab Federation called for the legalization of, of Hezbollah and Hamas. He's now in charge of our consulates, which is one of the intake points for refugees. Here's an image. I know you've seen this one before. It's a massive tent city in Saudi Arabia, air-conditioned, mm-hmm. used for the Hajj pilgrimage. Yeah. Uh, Saudi Arabia, Qatar, those rich OPEC Gulf states, they could take their co-religionists, but they're not crazy, Barbara. They don't want people from a terrorist hotspot. They don't want to have to vet to choose between the ISIS terrorist and someone who just looks like one. They're not dumb. What, yeah. a, what a depressing, depressing place we're in. And, and I, just don't, I just don't see either voices in the mainstream media or even voices in mainstream conservatism daring to speak out for fear of being called an Islamophobe. Last word to you. I suppose you write for the National Post, so I must acknowledge that the Post allows you the forum. God willing, they will continue to do so. Candace Malcolm in the Toronto Sun. But you yeah. can count on one hand the media voices or political voices in this country that speak truth about these things. Last word to you. Thank you for having me on about this. I I, I want to use that last word to thank you, uh, Ezra, because uh, I know you have a tremendous following and I know you have uh, hundreds of thousands, if not millions of viewers. I think this uh, is such an important issue. I I wish uh, Canadians would uh, would go to find the website of the Yazidi uh, Human Rights Foundation, uh, educate themselves. Uh, indicate their support. You know, I think education is very important and we need a critical mass of people demanding that the government 
uh, take action on this file. And I really appreciate you giving me the time to talk about this. Well, you're so welcome. I'm, I'm not sure if we have millions of supporters, but I know we have <laughs> hundreds of thousands. And I'm glad you're reaching hundreds of thousands also in the National Post. So I wish you strength. And I'm so and I would recommend let me read the headline again one more time for folks uh, who didn't catch it. Um, it's an article in the National Post. It's just chilling. It's about Nada, not her real name, a Yazidi rape slave in London, Ontario, who saw her rapist captor on the bus. The story is called The Yazidis Are in Danger of Extinction and Ottawa stopped helping the subheadline Nada survived sexual slavery at the hands of ISIL recently in Ontario. She recognized the man who'd enslaved her in Iraq. What's he doing here? Just must read journalism. Thank you, Barbara, and good luck out there. Thank you, and have a great trip. Thanks very much. All right, folks, more ahead. Stay with us. Well, that's my special long-form interview with Barbara Kay. She is so brave, and I'm glad that she's able to write these things, at least for now, in the National Post. She's a fighter. Hey, um, I'm pre-recording this because I'm actually in Israel today with the Rebel Israel. Um, but I want you to see a clip that we filmed today. Take a look at this. It's our first night here in Israel. Actually, I'm along the beach in Tel Aviv. And I want to talk to you about fake news because Israel is where fake news was first incubated as an idea, where it was first workshopped and where it was first perfected. And we're seeing it play out right now in the Western world. When we see those images of children in cages being used to attack the Trump administration, even though they were put in cages in 2014, or when we see Time magazine run a cover of a crying little girl supposedly separated from her mother at the border, but she wasn't, those images and that strategy to attack an administration on an issue, well, that was perfected right here in Israel. In fact, there's a cottage industry built around it. It's called Pallywood, a play on the word Hollywood. And it's the production of propaganda and propaganda images to bolster Hamas and attack the Israelis and the Israeli government to portray them as heavy-handed or malicious or violent towards the Palestinians. And this week, I'm going to show you that that's just not true. For the Rebel.media, I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed. That's our show for tonight. On behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, good night and keep fighting for freedom. Mm -hmm.